2: What a shot, first OHL goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Medard has arrived here at the branch center, Is first in the Western
0: Hockey League.
1: NCAA. Save,
0: watch out, watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Spash and Kosa. This is Dylan Gunther of the Noah Kings. This is William Mack from from in here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moonset.
2: Hey, it's Paul of the 2-5 Stampede. This is Paul biond I play for Luleå. Hey, it's Corson
1: Coleman from Brex Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camel Blazers. It's Jesse Wolfis from Luleå Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is The Pipeline Show.
2: Good weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show. My name is Key Flaming. I want to thank everybody who has uh, been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. If you want to do that, it costs you a couple bucks a month, but you get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the program. Most of the interviews I do, they'll occur on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Then the full episode is released on a Friday. But about an hour after those interviews are done they're available to patrons at patreon.com in fact the entire segment is basically edited put together and uh, and ready to go uh, so uh, patrons have been able to hear uh, the interviews that you're going to hear on this full episode they've been able to hear them already for 2 3 sometimes 4 days uh, before the full episode's release this week well it was a little chaotic this week I'll be honest with you I have uh, this week's show, I'm going to tell you right now, only two interviews on this week's show, which those of you who are long-time listeners know that drives me crazy because I always like to have three is an absolute minimum for me. Uh, in fact, because there's only two, I considered even just releasing them without an actual frame of an episode this week uh, and just putting them out there. But here's what happened, and I think it's not going to be a surprise to anybody, but the the two interviews that I have... Did those on uh, Tuesday. Monday was a holiday here in Canada, Family Day. And uh, there was an Oil King game. So uh, on a day when there might be an interview or two normally for me, there wasn't one because of the Oil King game, great game. Uh, Winnipeg and uh, Edmonton, uh, the number one and number three ranked teams at the time. Pretty entertaining game. Uh, The Oil Kings ended up winning that one by a score of 6-3. to Uh, But anyway, so there was no interviews on Monday. I had a couple that were scheduled. And done on uh, Tuesday, both of them, and a couple other irons in the fire that got pushed back to Thursday. And then, of course, all hell broke loose in the world on uh, Wednesday with uh, what we know was happening uh, overseas. And I'll be honest, that kind of deflated my motivation for the week. And uh, it, one of the guests fell through at the last minute. And in fact, the other guest, I was supposed to have an interview uh, late last night uh, with that guest, and it kind of got derailed. Uh, by things he couldn't prevent. No fault of his own, but uh, just didn't come through in the end. Uh, He'll be on next week, that guest. Dave Starman is uh, his name. So we rescheduled that for next week. However, unfortunately, that means this week's episode only has uh, two guests. So uh, my apologies for that. But they are terrific guests and uh, fun interviews, so I know you will enjoy hearing them uh, when you get a chance to. Let's get to the news and notes for this week. We'll start with the CHL's top 10 and and some movement now uh, this week because of uh, largely what happened uh, for Winnipeg on their trip through Alberta as uh, they lost in Red Deer and then lost in Edmonton. So uh, the Oil Kings now rank number one. Everett is two. Winnipeg slips down to three. Uh, The Charlottetown Islanders are number four. Hamilton, who are red hot right now, uh, they move up to five. Then we've got Shawinigan, Portland, Kamloops, Kingston, and the Flint Firebirds rounding out the top 10. Honorable mentions this week go to Seattle, North Bay, and Acadie Bathurst. The hottest team in the Western Hockey League right now would have to be the Everett Silvertips. Uh, Portland has been playing some pretty good hockey as well, but did take a loss against Seattle uh, last weekend. But uh, Everett is 10 0 3 in their last 13. Uh, and the Seattle Thunderbirds are playing some pretty good hockey right now as well. They are 7-0. Edmonton riding a 6-0 streak, and the Moose Jaw Warriors have been playing... Are really well in, over the last a month and a half, comfortably in fourth spot now. And really, there's you can see tiers uh, have really established themselves in both conferences in the WHL. In the West, you've got Everett, Kamloops, Portland, Seattle, and Kelowna, and then everybody else. Really, uh, it drops off uh, significantly from uh, fifth to sixth, where you've got Prince George and Vancouver sort of battling uh, between themselves for the uh, sixth and seventh seed. And then you have Victoria, Tri-City, and Spokane. One of those teams will claim the final playoff spot. The other two will be done. And in the Eastern Conference, you got the top four, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Red Deer, and Moose Jaw. And then there's a bit of a drop to Saskatoon and Brandon. And then, suddenly, you've got five teams fighting it out for the last two playoff spots, as Calgary has really hit a slide. They've lost eight in a row. Uh, So Swift Current has actually caught them. Calgary does have a couple of games in hand, but Lethbridge... Uh, has two games in hand on Calgary, and they're tied right now in points. So uh, whereas for a long time, Calgary was sitting in 7th and looked like they were kind of comfortable in 7th. Well, now they're in 8th, and uh, they are surrounded by teams looking to knock them off. The Oil Kings uh, this weekend hosting the uh, Prince Albert Raiders on Saturday, but Connor Bedard in Edmonton tonight with the Regina Pats. Uh, looking forward to that. Great crowd on Monday. Close to 8,000 people on Monday. I expect tonight's crowd maybe not quite that big because it was a holiday on Monday, uh, but hopefully a lot of people show up uh, to watch the Oil Kings taking on the Regina Pats tonight. Moving to the Ontario Hockey League and a top spot in the Western Conference would be the Flint Firebirds. However, London does have the better winning percentage as they are backed by two points but have four games in hand. But as I mentioned Maybe the hottest team in the uh, OHL would be the Hamilton Bulldogs, who have rattled off four straight wins. They've won nine of their last ten. Not to be outdone, though, North Bay keeping pace with them. They're both actually tied with 62 points. However, Hamilton has six games in hand. The Bulldogs actually have the uh, best winning percentage in the entire OHL. And that should be a great game this weekend as they uh, square off tonight, as a matter of fact, North Bay against Hamilton. That one in Hamilton. Another solid game. Oshawa is in Kingston tonight to play Shane Wright and uh, the Frontenacs, and I believe that is the game on uh, TSN TV. Over in Quebec, the Shawinigan Cataract, who are uh, red hot 10-0 and 0 in their last 10 games. Uh, they are at home tonight to take on the Quebec Rempart. They're the second-place team in the Eastern Conference, so that should be a terrific uh, matchup. Right now the top winning percentage uh, in the league is uh, in Charlottetown not surprising considering where they are in the CHL top 10 and I, I noticed I just noticed that uh, only one team has hit 40 games played in the season so far there's 68 games to go and that's why the the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League pushed the end of their regular season back to uh, the start of May there's a lot of hockey still to be played almost just I mean most teams have played just over half of a season so far so there's still more than a third of the year to go uh, in the queue and by comparison, the Alberta Junior Hockey League's regular season wraps up this weekend. They actually start playoffs next weekend. And we know the two teams who aren't making the playoffs in the North Division, that would be Grand Prairie, and in the South, that would be the Olds Grizzlies. They are done for the year after this weekend. Uh, Spruce Grove and Brooks have earned the first round bye. The other six teams will uh, uh, will go, but after this weekend, there's still a little bit of movement that could happen in the actual uh, Uh, So uh, seedings and the um, first-round playoff matchups have yet to be determined. We'll see that uh, after this weekend's play. In the USHL, still uh, a lot of hockey to go as well. They've played 42 games in Chicago and Muskegon, uh, but only 39 games for Tri-City. So uh, they've got uh, a 60-game schedule, another month and a bit uh, worth of action to go in the USHL's regular season. The Tri-City Storm, still the top team in the USHL with a 7.95 winning percentage. Closest to them would be Chicago at 6.67, Muskegon at 6.43, Dubuque at 6.46, uh, Lincoln and the Sioux Musketeers also in the 6.30s. And in the North American Hockey League, well, the St. Cloud Norsemen are riding a 12-game winning streak right now. Ashley Chase, uh, the play-by-play voice of the Norsemen, she was on the show a couple of weeks back talking about that club. Uh, well, they have continued to play some really strong hockey. And fortunately for them, everyone else in their division looks like they've been struggling here as of late. Nobody else is above 500 except Bismarck. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10, and they're in last place in the in the Central Division. So uh good time for St. Cloud to turn it on. They've been able to open up a five-point gap between themselves and second-place Austin, and they still have four games in hand. Top scorer in the North American Hockey League is still a Swede, Alexander Malinowski, who is uh, going to AIC for his uh, college career. That would be American International College, but uh, the 20-year-old is, actually he's 21 now, Uh, he's been ripping it up this season, uh, for the Fairbanks Ice Dogs. He's got 62 points in 46 games. The pairwise rankings in the NCAA have Michigan as the number one team right now, Minnesota State right behind them with Denver, Western Michigan, and Minnesota as the top five. should be a great matchup uh, this weekend in the NCHC as Western Michigan takes on North Dakota. That's number three against number six, uh, Dave Starman. We'll be at that game, and that was uh, one of the matchups we were going to discuss this week. In the pairwise, it's a tie for six between North Dakota and Quinnipiac. Minnesota-Duluth is eight, Massachusetts is nine, and St. Cloud, ten. Those teams, at this point, all appear to be safe for the national tournament. And then you got the uh, clubs that are sort of on the bubble. Notre Dame, Michigan Tech, Ohio State, BU, and Connecticut. They've got to keep uh, playing well. Clarkson is at 17. They've been playing some uh, really strong hockey this year. Northeastern and Providence uh, certainly in the mix in Hockey East. Just a couple of weeks to go in uh, conference play, and then we get into the conference playoffs. Six uh, teams automatically qualify for the national tournament as they uh, they will be the six conference champs. So an exciting time of year in the NCAA. Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. That is W-I-L-H-A-U-K, jerky.com. I had a listener from the U.S. who uh, wanted to know if uh, they could get some ship down to them. Uh, I said it's uh, shipping throughout Western Canada, but he decided to uh, get in contact with Wilhawk directly, and uh, that was the case. They are not set up for cross-border shipping just yet. But if you're in Western Canada, you're in luck. You can order straight from Trent in Leduc or Trevor in Spruce Grove, apparently. Either one. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com and you'll uh, see all the instructions on how to contact them and place your order. And they will ship it to you vacuum-sealed and fresh on delivery anywhere in Western Canada. It's absolutely the best beef jerky you have ever had because you can't win friends with salad. All my guests uh, join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. My Troubled Monk Brew of the Week, I'm going to recommend the Daycation Lager. Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. If you're in Alberta and your local liquor store doesn't have Troubled Monk in stock, find out why, demand it, get it there. You will thank me for it. Of course, if you're going through Red Deer, stop by the tap room, where you can get some beverages exclusive to the tap room. Also stop by the fridge. You can uh, make your own six-pack, one of this, one of that, pick up some apparel, let them know the pipeline shows that you. All right, this week's guest list, we're going to start in the Ontario Hockey League. Mike Farwell is the voice of the Kitchener Rangers. We talk about those Rangers. we got the CHL Top Prospect game coming up in Kitchener, so wanted to touch base with Mike about that and also get his thoughts on the World Junior Championship uh, coming back in August. And do you think the rosters are going to be the same? Because I don't. We'll get uh, Mike's thoughts on that. And then the second guest and the last guest uh, for this week is is Josh Kreitzer. He writes for PNW Hockey Talk based out of uh, Portland. And we're going to talk of uh, the U.S. division in the Western Hockey League as uh, there's three really, really good clubs uh, playing out west and south of the border that you would have to consider contenders. Obviously, that would be Everett, Portland, and Seattle. So wanted to pick Josh's uh, brain on um, what he's seen because – Man, such separation between the two conferences this year and in a normal year. It's some sometimes hard to get a uh, difficult to get a, a read on the US teams because we only get to see them play against the teams in the Eastern Conference once a year. It's not like uh, the teams uh, play in the states and the states come up here. It's uh they rotate every year. And I'm not even sure what it's going to be next year. Maybe if they're in fact, I don't know if they're Crossing over again next year, and if it is, does Edmonton go to Portland, or does Portland come to Edmonton? I don't know. I haven't heard. So definitely some separation. Uh, it, I mean, basically, they might as well be the queue. The WHL's Western Conference might as well be the queue this year, uh, how separate they are, the two conferences in the WHL. At least that's how I feel. All right, well, let's start it off with uh, our look at the Ontario Hockey League, and Mike Farwell, the voice of the Kitchener Rangers, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Hawk, Beef Jerky.
1: McCackney wanted left half towards McCarr, skates down the boards to the corner, stops up there, then got around a defender to the side of the net, cuts in front, shoots, and scores! <laughs> a thing
2: of beauty, a work of art, Cale McCarr just took over this whole game, dangling a defender out of his skate to the left corner, cutting to the slot, untouched. Hey, it's Dale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week? Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but tell the people about it. The vacation Mexican loggers. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed, or the sidewalk shoveled, this Mexican logger is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. The Asian logger is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing.
1: You're listening to The Pipeline
2: Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, everybody. An old man's talking. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky anywhere in Western Canada. You can get it. Uh, it'll get shipped to you from their location in Leduc, Alberta. Just contact Trent. It's WilhockBeefJerky.com. Uh, for this segment, we're heading out east to uh, Ontario, and uh, my CHL insider today, yeah. Uh, Terrific broadcaster and a good friend of the Pipeline show. That would be Mike Farwell, the uh, voice of the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. How are things?
1: gee it is so great to be here. Thanks for having me. And when I listened about Wild Hawk Beef Jerky, I'm thinking to myself, okay, hang on a second. (laughs) A long time ago, in a broadcast life that feels like forever ago, we used to give out ties from a local men's clothing store to anybody that came onto our broadcast as a
2: guest.
1: Here's a little necktie for you. I'm thinking, I mean, come on, Wild Hawk. If I can get it from anywhere, from Laduke, Alberta, your guests as your CHL insider this week. I mean, come on, hook a guy up with some beef jerky
2: here. Let's go. I'm sure they would, Mike. But it's Will Hawk, not Wild Hawk. So you blew it. You, oh my you, God. you blew the sponsor <laughs> so tag, terrible. so you're out of luck, buddy. <laughs> I'll, I'll see Will what Hawk, I can do. <laughs> I
1: love you. I tried. I tried so hard. I did. I messed it up bad. eh? <laughs>
2: let's talk about uh, the OHL and uh, we'll start with your club the Kitchener Rangers who's sitting right now as you and I are chatting i know by the time this comes out there's a game on thursday and you're playing friday night as well uh, or you're not playing but you're calling the game as they play uh, but sitting 6th right now in the uh, in the western conference uh, that is firmly in a playoff spot but uh, tell me about the season and what what's kind of the buzz around the Ridge, the Rangers right now
1: it's funny you talk about where the team is sitting in the standings because They just came off a game on Family Day here in Ontario, uh, Monday, the 21st of February. And it was a game where things could not have worked out any better for the Kitchener Rangers. Not only did they beat a team in the London Knights that was ahead of them in the standings, but they also had every other team around them lose. And so suddenly coming into the game when they were in eighth place, they came out of the game in sixth place. So that's how crowded it is. And the reality for the Kitchener Rangers this year is that they're in a cluster of teams. Uh, I I might add, I might make it a six team cluster. The Guelph Storm are kind of on the the cusp of the top five, but maybe looking down. So I might, I might throw them into a cluster of six that these six teams are competing for spots five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 in the conference. Of course, the top eight will go into the playoffs, but it is so bundled up right now that every game takes on added significance because you're either playing a team that you're near in that cluster or they're playing a team above and whatever the case may be but the the battle right now i I think the the best the kitchener rangers could hope for is a fifth place finish uh sixth where they sit right now might be a lot more likely but considering the clump of teams and and some of them even below the rangers right now uh, sarnia and erie for example are playing so well you might find yourself in a couple months' time as we wrap up this regular season in a fight for the eighth and final spot. That's just the way things are working out this year.
2: Is this pretty much uh, uh, what people expected from the Rangers this season? I mean, this is a club that's a perennial powerhouse. You're usually competing, uh, maybe not contending every year, but one of the top teams uh, historically in the Ontario Hockey League. But without a season at all last year, I don't know how to, what expectations were coming in and how you gauge things. Um, So has this been a good year, a bad year, or pretty much what was expected?
1: I would say currently, and again, keeping in mind that I don't think fifth place is out of the realm of possibility. Sixth, probably more likely. If it should finish that way, I would say that's about where people expected it to be. Certainly that's where I expected the team to finish. However, having said that at this point, considering Again, the game that just happened, they started the the day in 8th place, they finished the day in 6th place. Uh, Fans have been, because you talk about the perennial powerhouse that it is here in Kitchener, and and that's the reality, and the fan base comes to expect that. I don't think anybody expected that at any point, on the team's way to a 5th or 6th place finish, they would be battling for 8th place at any point in time. Again, there's a lot of hockey still to go, the way this season has kind of stutter stepped through, but I don't think anybody would have expected them to be in and around eighth or ninth spot at any point. I thought they figured they'd settle in around fifth or sixth and maybe battle for that position as opposed to trying to climb back up to it. So I would say a little bit below expectations at this point.
2: The WHL last week announced the, that they're extending the the end date uh, for the regular season by a couple of weeks so they could fit in a bunch of the, uh, the games that ended up being postponed. I know the Q did it, uh, I think, about uh, two weeks ago. And they said it's going to be uh, like the first weekend of May where their season ends. Uh, I was just looking at the OHL schedule. It looks to me like it's been pushed back a couple of weeks as well, much like the the WHL, about the 17th, something like that.
1: That's exactly what happened. So it was originally slated to end on April the 3rd. And right. and I started running the numbers not long after Christmas. And you just look at the games that were missed due to COVID protocol. And the Barry Colts, I think, had missed the most, nine or ten games that they had had postponed and needed to have rescheduled and you start start looking at the number of games they have left to reach 68 and the number of days left in the season and all of a sudden you're playing on average every 1.8 days and that's just you know these may be teenage elite athletes but that's not sustainable it's not good for the players it's not good for the product so yeah. i think the league wisely did extend its season by those two weeks it'll now finish the regular season on april the 17th and we'll start the playoffs here in the Ontario Hockey League on April the 21st, and they will all be full. I wondered if they would, you know, shorten the first round maybe and do three out of five, but nope, it's going to be four out of seven all the way through from round one through the conference championship. And the one thing I like most about it, Guy, is that the league committed to completing the 68 games, because I thought maybe you shave some games off the sked to still finish on April the 3rd and right. keep things in line that way and maybe play 58 to 62 games in the regular season. But the league committed to 68 and they're going to finish 68 and I think that's commendable.
2: Mike uh, there are uh 10 teams in the Western Conference, three of them are south of the border. Has that been a challenge this year? What's the uh, going back and forth across the border been like?
1: Uh it's been such a challenge that I have not yet been south of the border. Uh, I have had the uh yeah, the dubious honor of calling games remotely from a television monitor back in my radio studio in Kitchener. And wow. if you can make that make sense to your mind, I'll tell you it's not the easiest way to call a game, but as things uh, begin to slowly open back up, I've been in touch with my colleagues who have been now since we loosened things a little bit here in Ontario, they've been across the border. The testing requirements are getting a little bit easier. It It's still kind of a pain, but I think back to the, the early days of the season Dee, and the first month to six weeks the three american-based teams only played each other they didn't even bother trying with all of the the issues or the 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 protocols at the border and so erie and Saginaw and flint got a healthy dose of one another in the first six weeks of this season over on this side
2: yeah the same thing happened in the whl except there's five american teams in the dub so at least they got to play you know four other opponents instead of just a round robin of three teams It get a little boring after a while wouldn't it absolutely that was the thing so i i can't even imagine for those fan bases and
1: hopefully now we've got uh, we got a mid-march trip coming up down to Saginaw and then we close out uh, the regular season with a back-to-back no now they've extended it but anyway towards the end of the regular season there's gonna be a back-to-back we'll spend a weekend in Erie to play the Otters a couple of times so hopefully that is a an easier process than what it's been to this point for other guys
2: Mike Farwell is the voice of the Kitchener Rangers, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, Kitchener, the host city for the CHL's top prospect game this year. It's uh, it's very odd not to see a Kitchener Ranger player in the uh, top prospect game this year, and especially because it's the host. I don't think that happens very often, but uh, uh, I imagine this uh, event is starting to get some buzz. Yeah, it really
1: is, and it is one of those quirks where coming off this COVID season, it's just not the situation where, or the, the lost season to COVID here in the Ontario Hockey League where, yeah, there just wasn't a prospect locally to compete in the game. But I will say two things about the the buzz around it. First of all, you're getting this game played in and my bias notwithstanding, honestly, if you ask anybody around the league, as nice as some of the new buildings are in the Ontario Hockey League, and mostly I'm looking at you, london which has got what they call the mini Scotiabank arena. I mean, it's beautiful in London, but it's it's new and it's shiny and it's nice. But in Kitchener, we've got this thing that everybody refers to as a cathedral. It's 70 years old, and it looks like it's brand new. It's been so well cared for. And it's just a beautiful hockey arena. When you come inside of it, you know that you're in a hockey arena and the history is there. So that that piece alone, I think, is really significant and important and is generating buzz to have the best junior players in the game in a building like this to, you know, strut their stuff for the scouts, so to speak. But the other part of it that is building buzz, too, is and I talked about this at the beginning of the year, because of the way the schedule was arranged this year, the Western Conference is only playing the Western Conference and the East is only playing the East. There's none of that cross-conference play, which means in his last year in this uh, Ontario Hockey League, for example, Shane Wright is not a player that Kitchener Rangers fans are able to see unless they travel to an Eastern Conference city to watch him there. So the the number of players that uh, we have unfortunately been denied seeing just because of the way the schedule works I know this is, yes, first and foremost, a a Kitchener Rangers market, but it's very much a junior hockey market as well. And I know fans are excited to get a look at the very best players this league has to offer in their own building come March.
2: Well, and I'm sure there are players playing in the East who are actually grew up in towns like Sarnia or London or uh, Kitchener. And their families would like to see their kids play, I'm sure, too. So yeah, it works out uh, that uh, they'll be able to see some of those guys coming to Kitchener for the top prospect game. I had Sam Cosentino on the show last week, and I used the example of uh, Peyton Krebs, who, uh, when he played in the WHL, anytime his team, the, when he was playing with Kootenai or Winnipeg, they would come through Edmonton, and they Oil Kings would beat the heck out of the, uh, the Kootenai ice. So I never got to see Peyton Krebs play a really good game where he stood out and was a difference maker until the top prospect game when I got to watch him in Red Deer uh, playing with uh, where he was surrounded by lots of talented players. I'm wondering if there's a guy in the OHL that's playing in the top prospect game this year that might fit that bill for you, where you're looking at him and saying, well, he, he plays on a not very good team, but he's I'm pretty sure he's a good player. Let's see what he can do when he's got good line mates to play with. Anybody immediately come to yeah. mind when I frame it like that?
1: that? That is an excellent way to frame it, and that is honestly one of the great tragedies of the way the the schedule has fallen this year. Uh, I, nobody's jumping off the page to me, but there's there's zero doubt in my mind. I mean, we just had uh, on a similar vein a, a kid uh, who was a, a first rounder to the Rangers. He was the first rounder. I'm getting the first rounders mixed up this year. Carson Raykov is his name, and and went off and played a a tournament under seventeen tournament up in Ottawa not long before Christmas and, and going up there and playing with his peers and talented kids. And then he came back to this league and, and fit right in with his teammates and, and started, you know, really showing what he was capable of as a first rounder. Cause for the first couple of months, people were looking at him thinking, is this, is this the guy that was touted as a top five pick that the right. Rangers quote unquote stole at 17, that sort of thing. So, well, I can't think of anybody that might be in that top prospects game. That is absolutely the the feeling that you get from, you know, let's get the guy away from the club team with his peers, uh, playing with some of the best that the the league has to offer right now and, and see what he's capable of. And I'm positive we're going to see somebody leap off the page when the prospects game gets here. Terrific. Thanks
2: for that. All right, Mike, I want to end it with the uh, World Junior Championship. It was uh, here in Edmonton, well, two years in a row this year. I uh, only well, we got a couple of games in before it was all cancelled. They've announced that it's going to be played again in August, uh, which is a little weird to have a World Junior tournament in August, but at least they're going to have it. My question is h- how different the rosters will be. Apparently everybody's eligible. That was in the tournament. They're all eligible to come back. But my question is, why would some of these players come back when if they're playing in mid-August and NHL camps open up in mid-September? Uh, you set aside the risk of injury for a minute, but... Like a guy like Owen Power, for instance, uh, playing at Michigan. He's three weeks away from starting his NHL season, uh, career with the, with the Buffalo Sabres. Why would a guy like that come back uh, and play in the World Junior in August?
1: I think it's a great question, and I'm going to uh, carry that one step further and admit up front that I'm going to be old man yells at cloud here again for a moment. But <laughs> I've talked about this for many years when it comes to just the way things work in the 68-game regular season in the chl then you add in i just mentioned you know a kid with kitchener carson rakoff who goes off and plays the u-17s we get the u-20s or the world juniors right around christmas we get the ivan holinka after the season like there is so much hockey that is expected of and or demanded of these young men at this time of their careers and i've i've been for a number of years saying you know it might be time to just reconsider how much, how many of these special tournaments I'd throw the prospects game into that, not to poo poo on something that's coming to my city in a few weeks time, but how much is enough hockey for all of these guys? We, we certainly know that scouts with good eyes will find the players. The good players always find a way to rise to the top. So when you consider now the way the regular season has been extended across the Canadian hockey league, the Memorial cup has been pushed back now into late june it won't wrap up until almost july then five weeks six weeks or so later than that you're going to play a world junior tournament and i'm just wondering if at this point it wouldn't have been a time just to say world juniors is off the table we tried at christmas we lost we'll get back on track in the future etc of course we know there is a bottom line involved in this in this and there's a lot of money to be made but yeah. i'm with you not only would you question why players would make the decision to play world juniors when they're going to be heading to a pro camp in a few weeks time. But I'm just asking myself and and asking hockey Canada, quite frankly, why, why? And the double IHF, I suppose, why are we going to put, you know, we won't be far from opening training camps for junior clubs again, for crying out loud when this uh, tournament is played. So as much as I love the game and I love the kids that play it, uh, I I do question the wisdom of this particular idea.
2: Well, I think you answered it when you said money. I think uh, that's the bottom line. Unfortunately, (laughs) Uh, in a lot of cases, and in the case of Owen Power, I mean, he just played in the Olympics, for God's sake. Is the World Junior not kind of uh, below him at this point? And this event's also going to take place after the NHL draft, so it's not like the showcase event uh, portion of it gets uh, taken out. I mean, I'll be there, I'm sure. It's in Edmonton, so it's in my backyard. (laughs) If they let me in with a press pass this time, uh, I'll I'll go. Um, But uh, it does seem like it's kind of unnecessary at this point, but... Well, Mike, what are you looking for the rest of the way here in the OHL season? Are there some storylines that you're following or things you're waiting to see how they play out?
1: I am absolutely uh jacked about the Hamilton Bulldogs. One of the things I was not sure about this year, given the way I mean again, not to harp on it, but the lost season last year, the stutter stepping that we've had through this year, I wondered what's the trade deadline going to be like? How, how willing are teams going to be to, to kind of push their chips all in that sort of thing. The Hamilton Bulldogs did that. I think they've got a real nice looking hockey club. And I think it's a pretty cool story because this is the OHL champion from four years ago. And they're right back in the mix right now. That's where my money is on or or, where my money is to, to be the OHL champion again this year. I think you're gonna have to go through Hamilton to do it. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. We've got a, Team up in Sault Saint Marie on the Western Conference side. That's got uh, three overagers that are just playing out of their minds, and and the Sioux is another one of those stories that I love. It's the northernmost team in the Ontario Hockey League, a passionate market, and Kyle Raftus, the GM up there, just I, I don't know how he does it, but he just keeps cranking out contending teams, and and these uh, young men have matured into terrific. 20-year-old players, and they've got that Sioux team buzzing again, uh, I would say a little bit unexpectedly. So I'm curious to see how they finish things out. And then we've got an outdoor game coming up not too long from now between the Oshawa Generals and the Hamilton Bulldogs at right. Tim Horton Field in Hamilton. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that. So we've seen this year for the first time in quite a while uh, the Eastern Conference cranking out points and and leading scorers above the western conference and the argument in the ontario hockey league for many a year now has been west is best why is the east so far behind the west and it's kind of been flipped on its head this year north bay is another team that's just been a great story they're on a nine game winning streak as we speak it's their longest since relocating from brampton to north bay i'm really interested to see how things work out for them this year so Lots of interesting storylines as we get into the final third of the season
2: over here. Speaking of storylines, uh, OHL Stories podcast, uh, which you co-host. Uh, I know you were just uh, finishing up uh, a new episode uh, before we chatted. Uh, what do you got coming up? Oh, really appreciate that plug. Thank you. We're having so much fun with it because
1: the uh, the podcast is just like the title sounds. We We talk to former players, coaches, managers, whatever the case may be, about their time in the game. And we've had a ton of fun and collected a ton of stories. It's honestly like um an Ontario Hockey League history book but in audio form so you can just consume it wherever and however you want so uh this week without giving away well I'll give it he, he was a former ranger we we try not to be too much uh, in the way of a homer here but he was also he remains one of the top 10 OHL scorers of all time his name's Trevor Gallant he's got a great story to tell and he tells it on our podcast this week
2: then where do people find it
1: anywhere you get your podcasts, just look up OHL stories. There's a YouTube channel as well. Lots of fun content there for you. If you're interested in the game at all, it's about junior hockey. Yes, we're focused on the OHL, but if you like junior hockey, I think you'll find something you like with it.
2: Fantastic. Mike, as always, what a treat when you're uh, available to come on the pipeline show. Thanks for doing this. I look forward to chatting again. Hey, Will Hawk beef jerky. Now that's a treat. I got it right this time, didn't I?
1: (laughs) He nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for calling me, man.
2: Mike Farwell, the uh, voice of the Kitchener Rangers, and apparently lover of beef jerky, or maybe he just likes free treats, and uh, he's looking to get hooked up there by WilhawkBeefJerky dot com. Near the end, we were talking about the World Junior Championship this summer, and it's just ever since it's been announced, it's just been kind of uh, in my head like who who will and who won't be back. I, I really find it hard to believe that Owen Power will be with Canada again uh, for another World Junior. Remember last year he. Didn't get the release because of the situation with the extra-long training camp before uh, the uh, the tournament itself. And Michigan didn't want to be without him for you know two or three weekends of games, which is understandable. So he didn't partake then. Uh, then he got to play in the World Championship at the end of the year with the men and didn't look out of place. Then he's drafted and uh, gets on the team this year. It's canceled after two days. Then he goes to the Olympics with men. And he's, it just seems to me like he's moved He's beyond that now and will be starting his NHL career in September. And that's just one guy. Some of the other signed uh, guys, well, I think all of them are signed, but like the the 19-year-olds who will be uh, looking to go to NHL camps and and maybe like Jake Neighbors here in Edmonton with the Oil Kings. Played nine nine games with the Blues last year. Maybe it's a question I should ask him. Mason McTavish, another guy in that same uh, department as, as Neighbors who played a bunch of NHL games. So I'm curious to see what happens. And, uh, you know, I was talking with somebody at, uh, at an Oil King game here recently, brought up the name Damon Hunt, which is reasonable because wasn't on the team, but only because he got hurt. So is he. Now, maybe he's the guy who takes power spot. I, I don't think they'll be exactly the same rosters. I think there'll be a lot of uh, similar players. But again, maybe Damon Hunt doesn't want to do it because he's going to be um, three weeks away from going to Minnesota Wild Camp. I don't know. Uh, I, I am curious to see how it will all work out. Well, let me know what you think. You can fire me off a tweet at TPS underscore gee. Next up, we're going to uh, talk a little WHL hockey with uh, Josh Kritzer, who covers the Portland Winterhawks and all the hockey in the U.S. division, and not just the WHL, but hockey in the Pacific Northwest. For PNW Hockey Talk, we'll do that next, right here on the Pipeline Show, which is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. <sighs> Hey, it's Brendan Leipzig from the Portland Winterhawks. Hi, it's Kyle Beach. Hey, it's Greg Chase of the Calgary Hitman. Hey, it's Brad Roth.
1: This is Henrik Sanderson of the Edmonton Oil Kings.
2: And you're listening to The Pipeline Show? The Pipeline Show.
1: And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. You know, on the day I was born, the nurses all gathered round, and they gazed in wide wonder at the joy they
0: Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15, with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca.
1: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident.
2: Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We go from the Ontario Hockey League to the WHL, but before we do, a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. Now that is Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can track it down at WilhockBeefJerky.com. And my guest this week is we look at the U.S. division really close is uh, Josh Kreitzer from uh, PNW Hockey Talk. Josh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. feels like it's been a very long time.
0: It does feel like it's been a while, but uh, glad to be back on, glad to be talking uh, so, some hockey with, uh, with you again. Uh, does that jerky uh, ship south of the border here Asking for a friend?
2: Unfortunately, just as far as Western Canada, so when you go up to BC maybe, or you can get some of the BC guys to bring it down to you, you might be able to work something out. Awesome. I'm not sure what the rules are taking uh, beef jerky across the border. I'm, I'm sure you can get away with it. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I uh, I know what I'm getting next time I uh, cross the border into Canada.
2: Uh, there you go. All right. Uh, let's get to the hockey. And, uh, and we were kind of chit-chatting before we started. And I, I feel really out of the loop when it comes especially to uh, the Western Conference and the, and the U.S. Division, more so than usual. I mean, these teams barely cross over as it is in a normal season, and it's been two years since we've seen the Old Kings play the Winterhawks, for example. Um, so I, I really feel out of touch. So bring me up to speed on the U.S. Division because from the outside looking in, it seems a little top-heavy, but there's a lot of excitement in between there, and uh, you're, you're getting to watch a lot of good hockey.
0: I am getting to watch a lot of good hockey and, and you're spot on. I think the top is, is pretty heavy. The, the top three teams in, in Everett, Portland and Seattle, uh, you know, are 23, 0, oh, and four. Uh, when you look across their combined last, you know, 10 games each uh, Everett's currently riding a 13 game point streak. Portland had a 19 game streak of their own earlier. Um, you know, Seattle's just loaded with some really fun prospects, they're sending three to, to the uh, CHL top prospects game. Uh, and then, you know, Spokane's got, uh, they had the number one pick in, in this most recent uh, WHL prospects draft. We got a chance to see him live uh, in Berkeley Um He he was a, a real pleasure to, to watch, even just at, at a young age. Tri-City's got some good young pieces in, in uh, Lucas Dragicevic, uh, uh, Jake Sloan, and then the number two pick in Jordan Gavin. And he's gotten into a couple games as well. So, Plenty of, uh, plenty of uh, hockey and, and prospects to watch, uh, you know, and just with the way the, the Western Conference is, uh, while some of these teams are going to be, you know, only two teams don't make the playoffs out West. And so, you know, while Spokane, Tri-City and Victoria kind of battle it out there at the bottom, one of those teams is going to make the playoffs. And I think whichever team does is really going to have an advantage over some of the others, I don't think they're going to give Everett much run for their money. Right. But they're going to get, you know, maybe four or five games of, of playoff experience, which there aren't many players in the league right now um, who have a lot of playoff experience. So that that's going to go a long way. Uh, so even those those teams at the bottom, they they still have something to play for. So uh, and and we've seen Spokane, you know, they've they've had some some challenges, but they've also clipped Portland a couple times. We've seen Tri City come back a couple times against Kamloops and they have been able to knock them off a couple times. So even though the U.S. division is maybe top-heavy, there's still some really good hockey that's being played out last year.
2: Well, you mentioned playoff experience. I'm thinking playoff revenue, too, for the owners after the last couple of years and how challenging oh, okay. it's been and uh, how important it is for these teams to make the playoffs this year. It might only end up being a couple of home dates, uh, but uh, anything to restock the the, uh, the coffers would go a long way, wouldn't it?
0: it absolutely would. And, and it just helps build excitement for, for fans. And I think it also helps bring in the casual fans a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, you just, you never know. And, and those two games can, can sometimes that that's the games that make these teams operate in the black, as opposed to, you know, taking a loss. And, you know, it, that, that can be a, a big piece and it can also be, um you know, helps with, with the gate revenue as this league is so dependent upon that. And, you know, even two games is better than, than none, and especially given what they've had to deal with over the past several years here.
2: Well, Josh, the team you're closest to are the Portland Winterhawks, and they're playing some pretty darn good hockey here over the last couple of months. And uh, I'm sure that's uh, no coincidence. It also sort of coincides with the addition of Taylor Goche. You get a, a good goaltender who is coming from a, a struggling team to a a pretty capable team. Uh, and uh, suddenly he goes from having a 500 record to well he's 12 and one in his 13 games uh, with the Winterhawks. How big of an addition uh, for the Hawks is Taylor Goche? Gauthier?
0: Goche has been a tremendous uh, addition to the Winterhawks. He he set uh, the franchise record for uh, a shutout streak. Uh, he was just a few minutes short of breaking the WHL record for a shutout streak. Uh, but but that said, as big as Goche's been. Dante Giannucci has been really strong for for the Winterhawks too, probably since the the turn of of the calendar year. Uh, So he's got some really good numbers in in his past several games as well. And, you know, I think Mike Johnson really enjoys being able to kind of have two solid goaltenders that they're, that he's comfortable with. And, but, but Goche brings this, this presence in net and, uh, you know, he catches opposite. And I, I think we've seen, uh plenty of players that are maybe sometimes caught off guard by that right hand and catching glove, but he's he's just got this calmness, this poise to him. Uh he's also fit in really well. I've had a chance to talk to him several times and uh you know he he's a good Calgary guy. So he he's big into the whole kind of country scene and he's got his cowboy hats that he <laughs> likes to wear and uh you know Cross Hannes is is from Texas. He's a Detroit Red Wings pick and uh, the first time crossed him, he, he, he showed up wearing a, wearing a cowboy hat to welcome, uh, Taylor to, to the Rose City. So, uh, Portland's done a really good job of making him feel welcome. Um, he has talked about how different it is, though, because when you're used to facing, you know, 40, 45 shots a night to now, you know, depending upon if you're trusting Portland's away shot clock counter, um, they can be a little bit <laughs> stingy okay. for, for home goaltenders, but, uh, and, and not afraid to, you know, click that button once or twice more, but uh, that's been a known issue in probably most ranks, I guess, but especially in the U.S. division, we see that a lot, but uh, I digress. Uh, Taylor is what he's been able to do and what coach has been able to do um, while not facing, you know, shots constantly, you know, some of these games against Spokane, you know, he was facing maybe two or three shots that were really going to test him a game. And he said that that's had to kind of adjust his mindset. Hmm. And that's, that's, you know, challenging for a goaltender. Portland saw that with Joel Hofer when, when he came over, another goalie who has, you know, world junior experience and, you know, coming from Swift Current, where he saw that a lot too. And it, it's an adjustment period for him. And uh, so, so Goche done, has done really well. Uh, he's kind of getting used to it a little bit. He said the travel's a lot better here in Portland. Even some of their quote-unquote long trips aren't quite as bad as uh, the trips coming from Prince George. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah, I think it was six or seven hours, I think, from PG just to Kamloops, and that was their nearest opponent. So, yeah, a little bit different, that's for sure. Josh Kreitzer from uh, PNW Hockey Talk, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. are looking at the U.S. Division, but right now uh, focusing on the Hawks out of Portland. Uh, looking at the, um, the the stats for the club, got three forwards really leading the 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 way uh, in Cross Hannes and Tyson Kozak and James Stefan uh, or Stefan excuse me um, Clay Hannes on the uh, back end as well. But it kind of drops off from there. Is this a, a top heavy team as well, or do you think uh, when it comes to, to the playoffs and and crunch time, is there enough depth here to get the the Winter Hawks uh, deep?
0: This this is a team that was supposed to have Seth Jarvis. Simon knack and probably Reese Newkirk back in the lineup. Right. And so they have, and none of those three players are back in Portland this year. And so they've had to uh, take this as a scoring by committee approach Basin mm-hmm. Kozak and, and cross Hannis have really kind of elevated their play of late, but, but Portland seems to every night, it's a different line that carries them when they were in there, when they were in their streak, that it seemed to be if teams try to shut down cross Hannes and Tyson kozak, then then Jane Durow, uh picked up the slack. Then Gabe Clawson would pick up the slack here and there uh, as well. And so Portland is has not been afraid to to roll uh, three lines almost the entire game, and and Mike Johnson loves to use his fourth line uh, a fair amount as well. Luke Shelter is putting together a really sneaky, uh, good season as as a seventeen year old this year and Portland has no active 16 year olds or 16 year old seasons, I should say, on their roster. They don't have any 16 year old forwards or any 16 year old defense. So that's a little bit unique for, for for some of these teams. but I don't think depth is going to be the question for Portland. Uh, it's a matter of you know when they, when the game's on the line, does Portland have a guy who's ready to take over the game? Seth Jarvis could do that for you. Yeah. Seattle's got some guys who are, who are capable of, of taking over a game. Um, Everett with Nico Hootman and Jackson Berezowski are just there every night. Kamloops has got, you know, Logan Sekov and, and uh, Luke Toporowski, who's just absolutely flourished with his trade over from Spokane. So some of these teams are probably a little top heavier than Portland, but Portland's depth is usually where they've got the strength.
2: You know, from way on the outside looking, it's not a lot of household names there in Portland, but they seem to be getting the job done, so I wanted to get your take on that. Uh, you mentioned the, the depth yep. of uh, some of those other clubs in, in Everett and Kamloops, and the Seattle Thunderbirds, also a, a fairly deep team. Uh, do you see those four teams as clearly the four best in, in the uh, in the conference? Where do you put Kelowna right now?
0: Kelowna's right there. I, the way it kind of, I see it is there's five teams at the top of the, of the West, and I would add Kelowna right there. Right. Kelowna has had the unfortunate—they, um, I think they—I I can't remember the last time was, the number of games that they've played, but they had a fair number of games that were postponed, and so their their games in hand is is maybe a little bit higher than some of these other teams. So, so the standings might not look quite as um, as as talented of, of, of a group that they are, but you know they've got some some really go, good players in Pavel Novak. Uh, and Colton Dock out there. So, and you know, the addition of Talon Boyko from Tri-City gives them uh, the answer that they need in net. Uh, so, you know, out west, there's probably those five teams, and then after that, it kind of falls off from there.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I think the the real surprise has to be the Vancouver Giants at the start of the year when they when they acquired um, Cotton from uh, out east. It looked like it was going to be an arms race between them and, and Kamloops, and and they just they kind of fell off. And as you know, uh, covering the Oil Kings, they picked up Justin Sordiff and from Vancouver. And but Vancouver's got a NHL drafted goalie in Vikeman who is really capable of stealing games. Portland and Spokane, or sorry, Portland, Seattle, and Everett have all seen him do that uh, to them. And, you know, they've, they've got some good pieces there. So I don't think they're going to be an easy out. Prince George is, is on the rise. They're probably a year or two away. Uh, And then whichever team kind of sneaks in there in in that eighth spot is going to be a little bit um, up against it. But, you know, I think right now, where is Portland? I've seen enough of them and I've seen enough of the other teams that even though Portland's ahead of, of both Kelowna and uh, Seattle in the standings, Portland and Kelowna are probably pretty equal. Uh, Portland did sweep the season series head to head against them, but those were close games. There was a couple shootout games there as well. So um, Portland and Kelowna are probably pretty equal. Everett and Kamloops are probably right there. I would maybe even give the slight edge to to Kamloops personally from, from what I've seen. Uh, But if Seattle can, can stay healthy and if they can get the goaltending from Thomas Millich, I think they're the real X factor out, out West here because they, they've got the they've got the defense, especially if Tyrell Bauer comes back from injury. Uh, Kevin Korczynski is leading the league in, in defensive uh, scoring uh, as a rookie or rookie scoring, I should say. They've they've got the horses. Connor Roulette, Lucas uh, Lucas mm-hmm. uh has been a tremendous pickup for them. He had a long battle of COVID, so they've got and then they've got you know Jared Davison, uh, Jordan Gustafson, who are just tremendous players to watch who are also going to the chl top prospects game so there's there's a lot of good teams out here uh you know kind of the perception out west is that it's you know it's going to be uh an edmonton winnipeg final and nothing else really matters we're out west you could there's a lot of people who are saying you don't really know which one which of those two five teams are going to make it and whichever team finishes in fourth and fifth uh, place are going to have a real run of it, uh, going have to go through three really tough teams if they're going to try and make it to the final.
2: No kidding. Well, it's going to be exciting, though. It's exciting just to get into the playoffs, the race, see how they uh, they finish up uh, in the standings, what the seeding is going to be, and then once the playoffs start, uh, yeah, there's going to be some real pick'em series there for sure. Um, Josh Kreitzer from PNW Hockey Talk, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, and PNW be- being the Pacific Northwest, I'm wondering what the impact of Uh, the Seattle Kraken uh, has done to the general hockey fan in uh, the Pacific Northwest. I mean, we all follow junior hockey, those of us on this show and those of us who listen to this show. We're all junior hockey guys and gals. But now there's a lot of casual new NHL fans uh, who are taking to the sport. Have you noticed, uh, is there a trickle down at all in your area for the WHL?
0: Yes and no. Uh, I think maybe unfortunately we're seeing the trickle down the other way Mm. that there's been some fans that are now interested in the, the NHL game and those casual fans are going that direction and they would rather go up and see a Seattle Kraken game. And the attendance in Everett spoke uh, Seattle and Portland has maybe dipped a little bit. Mm. Everett's still drawn a, a fair amount, I believe, but you know, there, there is excitement. You do see a lot of Seattle racking jerseys around town. Uh, maybe not as many here in Portland, just with the natural rivalry that the two cities have, yeah. but it, there definitely is excitement. Uh, but I do know several fans from people that I've been able to talk to in, in, in all three markets that, that I'm, that I see most anyway, ha, has been that there are season ticket holders who've said, you know what, I, I, I can go to 34, you know, junior games a year, or I can go to 10, pro games and I'm going to go to the pro side. And I think that's really unfortunate. Um, it, it'll be um, curious to see how it looks in, in years, you know, two, three and, and beyond. But I, I think there's been a, a little bit more of a negative impact than than some people would have liked. Uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds actually have a really cool promotion that, that they're doing. I think they, they actually play there this weekend, but they're playing the Everett Silvertips up at Climate Pledge Arena. And they've offered some, some pretty good deals on, on tickets for for fans and, and to try and help, you know, maybe draw those casual fans that, you know, hey, there is still some some really good junior hockey and some good hockey around town that, that you can come see. So uh, I know they're selling only lower bowl tickets uh, for those. But last I saw the, the tickets were, were selling pretty well, especially in, in the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds end. But th- that's a that's where the you know, some of the teams are, are taking a really different uh, approach on how they market. Seattle has, I think, maybe naturally kind of latched on a little bit more. Everett has seemed to kind of distance themselves. Hmm. And Portland has just kind of been kind of ho-hum. They haven't, you know, they'll do some things here and there. Uh, but, you know, they didn't have a preseason game like some of the other uh, U.S. division teams did uh, where Seattle came through. But right. it's interesting to watch how the business offices react and, and how, how they um, kind of handle um, the Kraken being in town.
2: Do you think with the Kraken there, uh, obviously from the professional side, maybe we will see like an all-star game there or something. I'm thinking World Junior, and I've always said Portland would be such a great host uh, for the World Junior Championship with the two facilities sharing a parking lot. It would be so great to have the entire tournament in one city like that. Uh, Maybe that ends up going to Seattle, if at all, uh, going to the Pacific Northwest. But in your opinion, would that region be able to support a World Junior Championship?
0: I think they 100 percent could, especially with the proximity of Vancouver. Agreed. Uh, and you know, coming down, I you've seen it when the U.S. gets a turn to host. The markets that are most successful are, you know, Buffalo because you're able to get the the people from Toronto coming down. When when uh, Minnesota hosted it years ago, you, you get a fair number of people coming down from Ontario and from Winnipeg area and, and Manitoba. And then, so I think they would be able to do really well out, out West here. I, 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 personally don't, don't see how Portland gets involved with that, especially right now, Portland is not playing any of their games in in the motor center. Yeah, They've been a hundred percent at the DMC. And I think there's actually some, some ice issues at the, at the motor center, which is partially what's causing that. So that would be some infrastructure that they would have to get back up in place. I see. I, I, I think it could work out really well with, uh, you know, with Seattle and Everett, right. you, you could have, you know, the main group is, is at the at climate pledge and, you know, the second barn being up in, in Everett, you know, I think they hold a little over 7,000, something like that. So, Perfect. um, and a really good, and that's a really good facility. There lots of great sight lines, good food, great restaurants around town, lots of walking ability. Uh, plenty of other touristy things to be able to do. So if the U.S. decides to bring it out west, I I have a feeling it it would go kind of up into the uh, Seattle and Everett area.
2: I agree completely. Uh, All right, well, Josh, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, You should be an excited uh, drive to the playoffs for sure. And once the uh, the puck drops, man, it's going to be exciting uh, everywhere uh, because it's been so long since we've had playoff hockey in the Western Hockey League and, and for most leagues. Uh, at that. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. I hope you don't mind if I call you again.
0: Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, encourage fans get out there and su- support your local junior teams. Uh, they definitely need it. Support your local paper and, and your outlets that are uh, covering these teams. There's a, there's a lot of great stories here, uh, especially uh, those that that have these players that are NHL drafted. You're getting an opportunity to see them. Um, you know, for a fraction of the cost yep. uh, that that you'll be paying here d- down the line. So. Uh, it, and it's great hockey. It's, it's, it's excitement. There's goals. There's, there's hits. There's uh, lots of, there's a lot to lots like in, in the junior ranks. I don't have to tell that to you, but uh, it, it's been great ch- chatting with you, and I look forward to seeing people around the rink.
2: Well said, Josh. Thanks for this, man. Yep, thank you. That was Josh Kreitzer from PNW Hockey Talk. If you're not following Josh already, you can on Twitter at JJ Kreitzer. Kreitzer is spelled C R I. T-Z-E-R. Unless you're an American. Then it's spelled C-R-I-T-Z-E-R. I always wondered why Z Top was not ZZ Top when they were in Canada. Anyway, great stuff from Josh. I really appreciate uh, when he was able to come on to the show. Next up, I have one of two guests. I have one confirmed and another who is still in the mix but hasn't confirmed, but I'm not actually sure which one I will speak with first. But I do know that Dave Starman, who is going to join me, we're going to chat about some college hockey, so that's probably going to be next. Dave Starman, you're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
0: Second round kick of the Colorado Avalanche.
1: Over to Gutman, to Savoy! And he's got a hat trick! Start throwing the hats! Give up the $24 hat! Throw it on the ice for
0: Carter Savoy! This is Carter Savoy from the Sherwood Park Crusaders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate
1: at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turresy
2: scores! Wow, what a goal!
1: And Duncan Keith. Score! And future NHLers, Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at college hockey.
0: Champions of the college hockey world!
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
0: a Welcome
2: back to The Pipeline Show. And if you are one who listened to the show right from the first segment, you know that there are only two guests in this week's show. I had planned on speaking with Dave Starman in this uh, segment, uh, but complications last night. He's actually... In North Dakota right now getting set to do the North Dakota Western Michigan games and uh, his getting together with the players and uh, all that from the two teams uh, yesterday getting prepared for this weekend's uh, series uh, ran a little late and uh, we were supposed to have an interview yesterday but it uh, fell through he'll be on next week's episode that's the reason there's only two guests uh, this week so unfortunate but uh, unavoidable and uh, certainly not his fault by any stretch So that is going to do it for this week's show. Uh, Next week, other than Dave, hoping to have one, probably a pair of 2022 Draft Spotlight segments, touching base with uh, uh, an agent for a player that's over in Europe. Actually, two of them, two different agents, two different players. But those ones seem to take a little bit longer to put together. Obviously, it's a little bit more complicated uh, with the time zone and the language. But at this time of year, I always ask uh, you, the audience, to uh, let me know who you'd like to get on the program. Maybe there's a draft-eligible player or a, a media person or a coach or something that you'd like to hear from. Uh, let me know. You can fire me off a note on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. You can also email me, gee at And patrons, you certainly know how to get a hold of me at patreon.com slash show join the community a couple of bucks a month you get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the show you can also you also usually get a heads up on who's coming up on the uh, the program so that if you want to submit questions for those guests you can that's why every once in a while you'll hear me mention this uh, question coming to you from patron blank just another uh, perk and bonus to being a patron. Well, that's going to do it. I got to get to the Oil Kings game uh, tonight as they're playing the Regina Pats. They've got uh, Prince Albert in town tomorrow. So busy weekend here in Edmonton and uh, news of the world uh, definitely troubling and concerning and uh, try not to get too political, but uh, man, really, it's hard to talk about hockey, you know, when there are much, much bigger things going on uh, in the world and just hoping for an end to hostilities and for all the best in uh, Ukraine. All right, until next week, everybody, get out and watch some junior and college hockey if you can so that we can talk about it next week here on The Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Guy Flaming. This has been The Pipeline Show brought to you by Hawk Beef Jerky. See ya!